Pickle, 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 pickle. It is November 30th. This is episode 16 of the Peltero Pickle. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm delicious. How are you? Delicious? Is that like a Thanksgiving pun? Nope. It's just, I say that sometimes. I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, my, the, the noodles I had for Thanksgiving were delicious. The the volcano volcano of noodles was terrific. Uh, thanks, Mom. She made them. Um, yeah, you have a good Thanksgiving. I'll, I'll go with the fam. I mean, how good a Thanksgiving can you have in 2020? Realistically, is it, is it, can it be like top five Thanksgivings ever? Sure. It can, it can be terrific. Maybe some really good stuff happened. I don't know, man. It's weird. It's the first time I've spent Thanksgiving with less than 36 people. It was different. I had very less tables for that. Silvana definitely cooked for 36 people, though, for sure. Uh, at least 15. Yeah. Whatever you, there's like a rule, general rule of thumb. If you tell her to cook for a certain number, assume 10 more people could eat there. So there were five people at Thanksgiving, and it was, ended up being 15. Yeah, that makes sense. 15 people's worth of food. Let's, uh, let's jump into the topics here. Topic number one, how do you find your bat? How do you find a bat? What? We just said a, a giveaway. We're drawing the winner this afternoon for the Swing Swag giveaway with Peltero. Uh, part of the giveaway was a custom Chandler bat. Chandler has really, really good lumber, uh, high, high quality billets, if you will. How do you pick the right model? Like, how do you go about finding it? How did you find your model bat that you prefer other than just copying Evan Longoria because you thought he was cool? Um, I just picked up a bunch of bats and then I tried to swing them and then I was like, oh, this one's cool. That was it. I didn't, there's just a learning process, especially when you, when you get wooden bats. I mean, metal bats, like you don't have much choice. It's pretty much just take what they give you and try to spend the most money possible so that you have the best bat because the most money you spend, the more hits that are in the bat obviously right that's i mean you're just stating facts now if you spend the more you spend the the better the bat direct correlation it's not the indian it's the arrow into how many how many dollars you spend to how many hits you're gonna get um that's a good cyber monday promotion right there yeah no i mean look how do you pick your bat you gotta it's trial and error i think with it like with anything else like you have to you have to use bats and then figure out what you like more you like bats that are more end loaded and yeah, Evan Longoria, I had an Evan Longoria I-13. It was flame-tempered and it looked cool, so I used that one. I, I don't ever discredit the coolness factor of how something looks. And I'm always a person that tries to be different than everybody else for the most part. So while the whole world was transitioning to maple, I thought staying with that would be fun. They have, they have the, everything has its advantages and disadvantages. But yeah. Yeah, the one thing I will say is I would tell people this. Don't swing your game bats in BP. That's stupid. Just yeah, that's, make sure you have a BP bat and a game bat. Swinging your game bat and BP is a rookie move. You should get the same model, especially we're talking wood bats. Not even. Not even that. I, I swung like, I would swing a 34 and a half, like 33 ounce bat and BP. Could be, I would just take the heaviest bat I could find and use that bat at breakfast. And then I would keep my game bats for the game. And then eventually there were times when I had to use my game bat, like, I have a bunch of game bats, but I think having less than three bats at any given point in time is like voodoo. You want to hear a funny story about game bats, by the way? I had two completely different bats one year. I had a, 
it, the NACBL had an X bat from BP, which was like 34, 32 and a half maybe. And I don't even remember what model it was, but X bats were so cool at the time. And I had two A bat game bats. So I was on my first bat for the whole summer. I'd only used one bat the whole summer. And we we're in, um, I want to say North Adams. And our manager lost his mind. Now, bear in mind, I played pretty good, but we lost the game. I had, I think, two or three hits and a homer. And it turns into a homer story, obviously. And after the game, he went haywire, grabbed my bat, smashed it up against the wall. So my, my like, the only – I had two bats, two game bats that whole summer. Smashed my alternate game bat um, with like 10 games left in the regular season, probably. So I had to get through the rest of the season with one bat, and I did, thankfully. I used one bat the whole summer. Manager smashing your gamer or a, a game worthy bat is not cool. That's not. <laughs> the good. thing that bothered me the most about it is we, like, as a team, we had these brutal, like, pro stock just awful bats that guys kept breaking left and right. Now, bear in mind, college summer league, a lot of guys come from metal. They don't know how to hit with wood bats to begin with. He could have picked any one of those. They were terrible. They were like $18. But instead, he picked my beautiful Easter egg color A bat that was brand new. And he decided to smash that one. I was like, why are you mad at me, man? I had three stakes tonight. We only scored three runs. Don't be mad at me. Yeah, I think there's a... Uh... There's a learning curve with wood bats where you start to learn the models. Most people don't know that there's the most common models of bats. So you get like an M110, Louisville Slugger M110. The way they came up with that name was it was the 110th player whose last name started with an M. The R161, the C271, I13. These are all like stock bats that back in the day, they wrote down their orders on a piece of paper, sent it into the company. And then the companies started making stock models off of the more popular uh, bat characteristics. So you have like the taper of the handle. So the knob style with uh, axe bats now, you get the axe bat handle. Um, Old Hickory has a, a custom axe style handle. Um, all these companies are trying to mimic that without infringing on the patent. So there's a bunch, I saw one the other day, I forget what company it was, but another company came out with their own modified axe style handle. Uh, <clears throat> some guys have no knob at all. It's just a straight flare. Those ones always intrigue me. Um, then you get like taper towards the barrel. Some bats are thicker. For me, I always felt more confident with that thicker, like by the label, because it didn't feel like I was going to break it as easily. You get like a really skinny bat through the, like through the handle up to the label. It's probably going to break a little easier. Um, and then just barrel size, you got cup or not cupped. You were a cup guy, right? Always cup. I, my, the thought process for me was, so if you have to, if I order, like I use 32 ounce bats predominantly, 32 and a half ounce bats, between 32 and 32 and a half ounces. So my thought process and the truth is always, if you have to scoop a part of the bat out and it still comes out to 32 or 32 and a half ounces, whatever the, the weight is, the wood's going to be more dense. So I want more dense wood because that means when I hit the ball, I'm going to hit it harder. So that part was actually, that actually had rational thought process behind it. At the end of the day, there's to me, there's two different kinds of bats. Oh, and by the way, you forgot the M356, which was named for Edgar Martinez when he hit 356. The names of bats, I always used to think the letter had something to do with the knob and the, the numbers had to do with like how it, but it's not. It's literally just completely random. And the M356 is the Edgar Martinez when he hit 356. Bat. That's pretty good. I like that. Now I want one of those. 
Yeah, uh, I use that. What's your What's your preferred species? I'm gonna come off the top and say bamboo is trash. Sounds terrible. Feels terrible. Yeah, bamboo is weird. I mean, it. You have to like break bamboo in, which is like super weird. Like, why do I have to break that in? It's a more It's a more eco friendly piece of wood, I guess, because it grows so fast. But feels terrible. It's too much. It's like it feels like elastic almost. I don't like it. Um, I really like I like birch. Um, I think birch is like the best of both worlds between maple and ash because it feels like ash, but it has the durability of maple. You hate it. You're shaking your head. If I'm talking, they can't see you, but you're shaking your head. I know. Um, I'm shaking my head for you. I don't even need people to see me shaking my head. I just need you to see it. It's yeah. Terrible. I like it. It's brutal. I, I also feel like you need to break it in. It gets better as you use it. Um, maple is fine. Ash is fine. Ash and maple break differently. Maple is definitely going to be more durable, but I like, I like birch. Just give me the bat that has hits in it. That's the only bat you need to find. Look, at the end of the day, there's two distinctions to me between bats. One's going to feel heavier and one's going to feel lighter when you pick it up. And people always talk about, oh, it's so balanced or it's too top heavy. You're going to be a balanced person or you're going to be a top heavy person. What the suggestion I'll make is the first time you use wood, typically you just feel weight in different parts of the bat. Because in metal bats, the weight's spread out more because it's metal or titanium or rocket launcher or whatever metal bats are nowadays. It could be something, I don't know. So you have to understand what you can handle. And I was always scared of bats that had more weight in the barrel, but now I can't swing bats that don't have weight in the barrel. It feels weird. Now there, there's also some that are almost too heavy, but and it's hard to say that. It just depends on the way. I, I had one of Pete Alonzo's bats. He had a, I think I still have it. So like, a, I don't know the model. It was like a Victus something. And it felt super heavy. But what I realized is the heavier the bat, the more I have to take good swings, the more I have to engage my top hand. So for me, it helps a lot when I can, I can, when I can really feel the barrel, especially when I'm working on stuff in practice. And then in the game, you want to just kind of be comfortable. It, does, it needs to be something you're not thinking about. And until it becomes your normal, it's not, it's not going to be something you don't think about. Yeah. Experimenting is definitely the best way to go. You figure it out. Advice to parents who are trying to buy bats, maybe for the holiday. Try it. See how it feels. Uh, I know you at Dick's Sporting Goods, you can go try it in the, the hit tracks units at a lot of the Dick's Sporting Goods. So that's one way to try it. There's different companies uh, up in the Northeast. There's is it Monkey Sports. There's a, they have a batting cage in their store, which is kind of cool. You can actually pick it up and use it. Borrow a teammate's bat, get your hands on it, see how it feels. The sound with metal is important to me. I, I never wanted an overly pingy bat. Uh, some of those old composite bats sounded like you were hitting a racquetball or a tennis ball with them. And those were kind of cool. Um, metal bats are crazy now. And if they're all BB core, they should theor- theoretically be performing in a similar fashion. I know that there's some bats that are hotter than others, but you just got to find what works for you and there's a lot more variation in the wood in terms of options with the taper, with the, with the weight distribution, with the species of wood. There's a, there's a lot more going on there, I think. I don't know anything about metal bats, to be honest with you. I really don't. I haven't paid attention to the metal bats in forever. Yeah, I, think, I feel like they're just all the same. And then you just have to pick by whatever design is the coolest. That's what I would have done anyway. I would have picked whatever design was the coolest and just rocked that. If there was a Volt yellow bat, like I saw a couple years ago, there was a Volt bat, I definitely would have swung that. Because why not use Volt when you can use Volt? What's your favorite bat of all time you ever had? The Air Attack 2, blue and orange. 
that yeah, thing is um, my favorite bat ever. I'm going to go. I have two. The first was my little league bat, the white shark, the white TPX 3021. It was like CU 31 alloy. Something. It was like amazing white shark black. It was white with black font. And then the, uh, to me, the best bat ever was pre BESR, the Easton Redline C-Core, not the extended barrel. It was like a light gray finish. Yeah, with the red, yeah. finish, had like a little rough finish to it. Drop five, two and three-quarter barrel composite. That thing hit My team, one of my teammates in high school had that. I think the whole team used his bat. It was incredible. Because we didn't get like cool bats at Milford High School. Like they – they would always buy like older stuff. So when he got the red line, everybody used it. Literally, like we just leave the bat at home plate. But then I learned about getting your own bat. And then like if it dented or cracked, you just send it back and they'd send you a new one. So I went through three different generations. I went to, from the Air Attack 2 to the Air Attack 3 to the Omaha Gold, all with one purchase. I shouldn't sell the companies out. I'm sorry if you guys don't like us now, but. I just send it back. You get dented. I'd be like, oh, it's dented. They sent me a brand new. Doesn't help playing cold weather where the, <laughs> the bats are. But I would have some up. serious dents in my bat. Not bad for, what, you're 165 pounds in high school, swinging those things? Must have been doing yeah, something I right. I, I mean, I didn't hit any homers, so I don't know. I had no homers in high school. Zero. You have more in the big leagues than you have in high school, so that, that works out. I had one. A lot of homer. people, a lot of people have zero homers in high school and zero homers in the big leagues. So you got that going for you. Technically, I do have a homer in the box score. I hit a line drive to center field, like just right of the center fielder in my junior year in high school. We're playing at this cow pasture, North Middlesex. No offense to North Middlesex. Um, the guy dove, the ball rolled, it went down like a hill into the woods, and he picked it up and threw it back. And I was so blazing fast that I got a. Outside the inside the inside the outside the homer. I was gonna go with Park, but it's not even that's not even what it is. I, so you know why I, I like telling homer stories so much because I never got to tell them after Little League. Like it stopped when I was twelve. So that's why when I got to like eighteen or nineteen, I started hitting them again. So, oh my god, I, hit homers. I don't think I ever would have played baseball if I couldn't hit homers. Like there was a dark time in my life between age thirteen and nineteen or eighteen or whatever it was, and I didn't hit any. I said, oh my god, what am I doing? Well, you made it. Most kids, that's like the big drop-off in, in participation in the sport. So it's good. You made it. You survived. Next topic, Albert Pools, my guy. There was a thread. Uh, I saw it on, I think, Friday. I saw a video. It's, it's like vintage pools, like back-in-the-day pools. And he's doing this like casting a fishing pole type demo swing. And then immediately after takes a bunch of like amazing swings. So I said on Friday, not right now, but very soon we're going to talk about this. And I did a, a pretty extended thread. Jeff Fry got in on it. Jeff Fry, my guy, she gone nation jumped on it, told all this feel versus real stuff. The crazy thing about all of this is like, I want to know what Jeff Fry thought about when he was hitting a sinker. Was he thinking about getting on top of that thing? Because if you think about getting on top of a sinker, you pound it into the ground. And there's, to me, just this utter lack of adjustability in people's thinking when it comes to feels and what guys are thinking. And then it's like, no matter what way you try to talk about it online, there's people that are for it, there's people that are against it, and they have, they're just so rigid in how they think about it, and it drives me crazy. So you just described 
society at large right now, right? And I'm, I'm going to make this point first. What color is the sky? And some people say blue. And then some people are like, yeah, you're right. And they're going to take the position of like, yeah, the sky is blue. And then this whole other side of people is going to be like, no, the sky's light blue. And you're going to be like, what? Like that light blue is blue. And then they're going to be like, not technically, because there's a color code of numbers that says light blue and regular blue are different colors. So the whole point is everybody's just trying to be right. They don't care about helping people be better. So to the back on topic, Pujols, the funny thing was when he did that thing, he went did that forward thing. I don't know if you know this, but he like dropped the bat forward. Yeah. He, wanted to, he actually like wanted to show where his bat was pointing, which is funny. And, you know, it's crazy he does that. And then he's like doing this thing where he's like leaving the bat pointed back and then like sinking, like sinking his elbow underneath because he's trying to create like good probably position for where the bat needs to pass through. And yeah, the world is combative i don't know I, I i don't i don't understand why we're so hard pressed to be able to say yeah there's different ways to skin a cat bro like there's different ways to teach there's different ways to think there's different ways to interpret so like the responsibility like i think it's so short-sighted for anyone that wants to literally just say there's only one way to think about it and that everybody else is the devil it's so messed up. It's just ter It's a terrible way of describing anything, no less hitting. So, and especially where there's variability. So to your point, like, yeah, how do I hit a sinker? Hey, I better be thinking about hitting driver off the deck if I'm hitting a sinker. Because the first time I faced a sinker and I was thinking about swinging down, I burned a hole to the shortstop. Like I hit so many ground balls to shortstop because I had no idea how to hit sinkers. And then I learned how to get underneath baseballs. And the same way when a guy's spinning the heck out of the ball, I need to think about swinging straight down. Like whoever, whatever, the hitter's natural tendency, right? Like most hitters are going to have a natural tendency. Some's going to be under, some's going to be over. The guy that has the natural tendency of over, the dogs keep hitting my computer, by the way. I don't know if you're noticing my screen shake. Just FYI. Um, but the, the natural tendency of each hitter, the guy that's naturally down to the ball, like needs to think more about being under. And the guy that's natural tendency under needs to think more about being over and vice versa. Like it's one or the other. Right. And you're wrong. Every, you're wrong. I play and, in the big leagues. You're wrong. Oh, and, wait, you play in the big leagues and you're saying it. So you're allowed to say it. Oh no. Yeah. It, like it, it's everything in between. Right. So like whatever somebody needs to think to be able to get it done is whatever they need to think. Like, who am I to tell somebody else what they need to think? Who am I to tell somebody that they're wrong about the way they teach if they're helping somebody get better? Like I, when guys call me and they're like, yeah, dude, I, you know, I talked to somebody else about hitting. Like, is that okay? I'm like, yeah, great. Go get hits. Like, get hits. Figure out how to get hits. Be awesome. Whatever it takes for you to be awesome, do it. Like, if it means you got to, you know, think about you got to bring Joe Boo in the locker room. You got to give him a little, you know, a little shot of rum or whatever. If you got to bone your bats with a chicken bone like, like they did in Bull Durham. If you need to talk to, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, otherwise known as Luel Cinder. I see I went with Kareem first. Before the game, because Kareem told you that he dunked on somebody and then shot a baby hook. Whatever you got to think of, whatever you got to do to get hits, get hits. Be good at hitting. Yeah, it's crazy because, like, the whole get on top thing, I think a lot of that generation didn't deal with sinkers so much. Like, I don't think that the sinker was as prevalent. And then 
guys start throwing sinkers like crazy. And now guys have to think differently. So the get on top, <clears throat> there was a Sean Casey, Billy Ripken thing on MLB Network. And he's like, throw the, the we're going to do an over-exaggeration drill. It's like, no way. That's crazy. An over-exaggeration drill. Is that allowed? And then he kept throwing pitches like head high. And he's like, I'm thinking about getting on top. But if you look, the barrel's going to be under my hands. It's like, no way. So the thing I always say is like, you got to know what a guy's thinking, but you, you can't blatantly ignore what actually happens. You can't be like, keep a barrel above your hands and then swing and then the barrel's below the hands. You should be like, oh, wow, I'm thinking that, but this happens. So I need to think that for that to happen. If I, it, the, what ends up happening is people will coach kids to literally have the barrel above the hands and then they stink. And they're like, oh, well, that's how you got to do it. That's how I did it. That's, that's the way to do it. Without understanding both sides, it's just, it's crazy to me. Um, this is where I think tech has a, a great advantage. Sean Foley, golf coach. Uh, he has, there's a video online somewhere of him talking about the use of technology should increase the amount that you talk about feel. If you use tech well, and I, I wholeheartedly believe this, if you use tech well, it will lead you to more feel-based discussions than anything else. If you are using tech and you're like, oh, your number said this, you're, you're missing the boat, dude. It's bad. You're, <laughs> you're not doing it. You're, you're, just reading numbers. That's You're not the common. opposite of doing it. And by the way, look, I got two dogs. Now. They What's both want to be a part of the hitting conversation. They're What's crazy. Up, dogs? They're crazy. Clutch is normal. Bolt's crazy. All right. Um, Next but- topic. I love this. I saw this article about Juan Soto. It was uh, James Harrison. That's who they were interviewing. So we got a veteran guy, 33-year-old, 10-year vet, and he described – Juan Soto is being stubborn, a stubborn. Wait a minute. Can you say again who was talking about him? I said James Harrison. That's a football player. Who was it? Josh Harrison. Josh Harrison. Yeah. James Harrison's big football player. I, I feel like it's really important that in talk shows, if that's what we're calling this, that people call out the other person's mistakes. He clutch agrees with me. Did you see that? He just looked at me. He was like, yeah, you're right. Just FYI. So when I make a mistake, make sure you call me out. Okay. Uh, chicken bone. Wrong. It's a cow's femur for boning bats. Right. They need a live chicken for the sacrifice during the bullpen. You're right. Yeah. We should have had a better movie segment yep. a few weeks ago. Uh, so stubborn, being a stubborn hitter. I love that word to describe a hitter. Wanted to know your thoughts on it primarily. Um, <clears throat> it makes me think about approach. It makes me feel think about like just having conviction to who you are and what you're trying to do and not being, not like relenting to the pitcher about what he's trying to do. Thoughts. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I think I could, I could almost replace that word with a few other words, but stubborn kind of fits the bill really well. Uh, I think it, it has stubborn has some connotation with selfishness and I never want to condone selfishness in the sense that like, I want people to care more about themselves than the team. But let me tell you something. When you're playing a personal sport, like an individual – this is an individual sport. This is a team sport in, with individual battles being fought every play, right? So you better be selfish when you're in the batter's box. It, it, to that point, so funny story. Like, people used to talk to me about how much time I used to take between pitches. Like, bro, you take forever to get in the box. I'm like, cool. I get four at-bats a night. You get – and it's, it was mostly pitchers. And I'm like, you get to throw 120 pitches every night, plus all your warm-ups, plus everything else. So, screw you. You get all the time in the world to do whatever you want. Like, you get do-overs all the time. Like, you better be stubborn and care about your at-bat. You better 
you better focus on what pitch to swing at and like literally just be anal to the point where you won't swing at anything that you don't want to hit at until you have to. Like that's what being stubborn is. That's what, what they're talking about. Like that is literally the definition of being great to me. I, I there's, it seems so normal that like, I, I know like we need to talk about it for people and to understand it and, and things like that. But I, I mean, it, that's what normal is. That's what normal should be. Anyway. I agree. I think a big part of being stubborn is knowing you're, you have to know what you want out of a situation to be stubborn about it. And most kids go up to bat because they have a bat in their hands and the lineup says it's their turn and just walk up to the plate and whatever happens, happens. Instead of going up there with a plan with your mind and heart set on what you're going to be doing and how you're going to execute. And be, then you can be stubborn about it. If you're like, I'm swinging at, a, I'm swinging at this pitch with this result, period. If you want to get you hits, can stick to it. if you want to get hits, or if you want to be nasty, like you better do all these things. This is like, this relates completely to the generation that we're in, right? You, okay, so people, we can even correlate this to data. You want to set an exit velocity record today? You want to hit your hardest bolt? You better be stubborn about what pitch you're swinging at, like about your, 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 your plate discipline, about, you know, how you're going to make a pass at that ball, everything about it, because you're trying to optimize, right? So in every sense of the word, being stubborn is important, whether it's in practice, whether it's in a game, because you need to understand and correlate the things that you're trying to do and try to, to, to the things that you're trying to accomplish. And the reality of the situation is you can't, you can't do damage unless you get the pitches that you can do damage on. Can't, can't do it. Like baseball doesn't allow it. It's been 120 years and pitchers have been trying to throw it where they want to. And if they do, they win. You know what I mean? Like, so how are you going to be successful unless you care enough to pay attention to what you're swinging at all the time and you care enough to be disciplined enough to, to really work at the thing that you're trying to accomplish and to take what the game's going to give you instead of, you know, trying to go out and take whatever you want from the game when it's not there for you. Baseball, the beauty of baseball is it's always telling you what's going on. If you pay attention in baseball, the game will tell you what's going on. You just need to watch. And you need to learn and absorb the information. And if you're a hitter, being stubborn is a part of that because you need to understand what the game is offering you. Like, I guarantee you, if Juan Soto is going up and facing a guy that's not a good matchup for him, like, he's going to try to wear that guy down and really make sure that he's going to expand his zone a little bit and not try to go deep off that guy, but he'll take his single through the six hole when he can get it, right? That's something he knows ahead of time. Hey, I don't profile well against a guy that – Maybe it's a sidearm lefty that's throwing all sliders. But part of the reason why this guy's so great and he's been good against everyone, especially at a young age, is that, like, you can see in his process, in his approach, that he understands that when he's going up to bat. The dude got a hit off Josh Hader, who literally got everyone out that year. The, everyone out. The year, last year when the Nationals won the World Series, Josh Hader, the league was hitting zero against him, I think. And Juan Soto got the first hit of the year against him in the biggest spot in the history of the universe because it was game seven of the wild card series, which is just one game. So it was game one. See how I did that there? And, like, this dude understood that he needed to be thinking about being on top of Josh Hader. And that's why he got a hit and took them to the promised land. Like, that's nasty. That was a rant. He's good. I just love the word stubborn. I think if – if there's a word, like what other words would you want to be? What other adjectives would you want 
attributed to you as a hitter. Stubborn is a good one. Stubborn's awesome. Um, Gamer is one for me. Huh? Gamer. Like, I just like when when somebody ever called me a tough out, I'm like, yeah. Is Gamer an adjective, though? Absolutely. What else would it be? I want spell check on that. I mean, Gamer is like not really a word, it's like a E gamer. Picky. Picky hitter. Um, convicted. Good one. You uh, just go like more traditional ones like the dude's nasty or he rakes. Yeah. If somebody says you rake, you're good. That's, oh, why, do you, why do you think my Twitter handle is CC20 rake? Come on. I was thinking about that 10 years ago or whenever social media started. You remember the first time you heard rake and then you're like, what does that mean? I remember uh, we used to we had we were a host family for an independent league when I was in high school. Guys would be like, "Dude, he rakes," and it'd be like, with "Like a rake, like leaves, like he rakes leaves." leaves? Like what is? Yeah. Hey, funny story. I uh, so I think this is I think this is hysterical. I don't know how it hasn't caught on, but I'm letting the cat out of the bag. Like sometimes when people talk, try to tell you, you know, hey, you're a good hitter, blah blah blah, yada yada, and I I'll sit there and I'll go. Yeah, man. Have you heard of Apple's new product that came out? And they're like, "Oh no, what is it? It's called the iRake, like small i, capital R A K E." And they're like, "No, I haven't seen it. What is it? Does it rake your lawn?" And I was like, "No, no, no, i rake." You're not laughing. No, it's good. It's like an iPhone, but for raking. Nobody. I, I don't know why people don't. Know. I feel like that's like. I feel like that's a good one, and nobody's like, "Yeah, that's awesome." I'm off it. It's okay. You've had other good ideas. Next topic, Bronny James. Bron Bron Jr. Uh, this dude looks like a man now. Is he, I think he's a sophomore in high school. He's young. Uh, there's a picture of him on Twitter. I don't know if Patrick can, can throw that in. He went from being like a decent size guy. I mean, he's still probably like 6'2", but now he's like standing like this with the, chin out, with the chest out and the chin. Like, like this dude looks... He looks big. I mean, he's got good genetics, so he's got that going for him. He is standing a little bit forward of his dad, so maybe that plays into it, but he's looking significantly stronger. I can't imagine how uh, what kind of resources he has access to in terms of taking care of his body, eating right, hyperbaric chambers, who knows what. Yeah, I feel like if you do stuff to get better, then you will. Basically, that's my take on all of this. Like, If you try hard at getting better, you will. it's growing up man like you you're he's gonna grow up and he's working hard Patrick's face there was really just made me want to throw something through the computer because he thought that's all I was going to say um but that's neither here nor there but the point is you're going to develop right you're going to mature you're going to go through processes as a human being and you don't know when those are going to happen your work needs to correlate to all that independent of when that spurt hits right so if you're that kid, right, you could probably go one of two ways. You could be like, oh, my dad's LeBron and do nothing and just be like, I'm awesome. Or you can be motivated by the way he works because I'm sure sitting at home watching LeBron James work is pretty amazing, right? Because by all accounts, like this dude literally does everything to get himself ready to play. I mean, he's in year whatever, 16, I think, of his career, 17, and he's still playing at as high a level as anybody in the NBA, which – is not surprising because if you really care about what you're doing and you're focused on it, then you know you're gonna you're gonna keep going. 
Um, but I think that's just a case, like case in point of what's happening with that kid who obviously, you know, is uh, taking a page out of his dad's book and really working at it. So to, I, I, I watched his games last year because he's playing with Dwayne Wade's kid, right? Like they were playing on the same team. Yep. Um, yeah, and he was just a young kid. And then all of a sudden, you know, combine a little bit of growing up to, with a shirt that sweaty and good things will happen. Uh, yeah. And just to, to bring this back to baseball a little bit, there's uh, – I've been seeing like pro-style showcases. We had that one group chat that we're all in. Pro-style showcases for like eight-year-olds. Like, oh, we're going to do 60-yard dashes and radar guns and like exit velocity off the tee for like eight-year-olds. It's crazy to me. Um, development over time, can we attribute some of that? Sure. Who knows? Um, but some of it is just over the top. Like paying, I think it was like $300 or something to go to a showcase where they're going to like, what are they going to rank you against kids that are eight years old? Whenever it comes to like college stuff and actually understanding skill set, like you got to go post pubescent at a minimum. You can see skills in like hand-eye coordination and, you know, different kind of knack for the game, but some of the stuff gets out of control. I think it's really hard. I think it's just really hard for kids to understand that they aren't who they are today moving forward. And I, and I think part of what our generation needs to do better at is, is allowing people the understanding that just because you are somebody today doesn't mean that that's who you're going to be tomorrow. I think as a society, like in like as a whole, we have a tendency to try to label people based on what they are. And that I think can be really paralyzing to people, right? Like they just, there's like, they just succumb to the fact that, Hey, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be. And that's what it is. Instead of like acknowledging the fact that no matter how old you are, no matter what size and shape you are, whatever, if you put in effort towards improving at something, it will happen. And because of that, you can, you're watch uh you're watching a night's tale. Um, no. Heath Ledger, really good movie. It's called a last hello. Like really funny line. Come on. You got to watch a night's tale. Bro. It, it, watch a night's tale. But anyway, the, the whole premise is he was, uh, he was the son of a, a peasant and uh, his dad kept telling him like, you can change your stars. You can change your stars. You can, you know, your future. And eventually, he basically creates this um, fake Lord persona thing. Um, and he ends up doing all these these jousts. Um, and then he gets knighted by, you know, the prince or king of London or of England. I just said London. That's unbelievable. You sound like you're from London. <laughs> I've lost a shoot. We can do movie quotes all the time. But anyway. You can change who you are. Like just because you are something today doesn't mean you have to be something tomorrow. And if you put in the work and you put in the time, you put in the energy, those things will happen. The journey will be, you know, what's worth what's worth your while and, and what you look back on and, and go, Yeah, you know what, man, that was awesome. And it might not happen quick. You might get frustrated, but that's that's part of it. That's part of you know, being great at anything. Gotta go through the storm. If it was easy, everybody would do it. All right, post show.
Patrick just loves, he wants us to talk about talking trash to teammates in fall ball. This has been on the post show list for like four weeks. I keep ignoring it. Let's do it. Let's get it out of the way. My dogs have been going at it for the better part of the last 25 minutes. Like on the, like Bolt isn't, um, I don't even get it. He's talking trash to Clutch and Clutch isn't having it. And then finally Clutch is like engaging. And Bolt is now on top of Clutch. Clutch is trying to go underneath. It almost looked like Bolt's trying to hump him which I don't understand. And then he licked his butt and then Bolt licked Clutch's butt. Yeah. I mean, they're dogs. So that'll happen. Uh, Talking trash to teammates. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I can't recall any good stories. Um, I always felt like it was pretty frowned upon to talk trash to your teammates. Like, if you, I don't know. Oh, I'm not really into that. If you. Talking trash. So. Like if you're like in a actual scrimmage, like showing up your teammates to me is not very cool. Basketball is different than baseball. Football's way different than both. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess like baseball is not, I mean, it's really not a trash talking sport in terms of like on field. It I mean, defined trash talking is really important to understand what we're, what we're talking about. Like I'm all for like off, off the field stuff. I think off the field, giving people a hard time all for it but like bat flipping your teammate in the scrimmage in the fall so you ever do uh you must have been part of a kangaroo court or two in worcester right yep kangaroo court is the time where this all happens and the fact that that as it just as a whole the tradition has like vanished from the game is just it's sad because you should razz each other with some sense of couth for like going below the belt, but the general rule in, in kangaroo court was you don't talk trash to your teammates about like their performance on the field. Like you just don't talk about their on field performance. It's you have to, cause like it's sensitive, unless it's right? something like, unless it's something funny, like they trip over a base or like they yeah, take the glove on the field. Got, hey, like I can't believe you missed that fly ball. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, like, nice error to lose the game the other day. Yeah. Like, cause that, <laughs> that's a little sensitive. Right. We're on the same team, dude. Like, you think I was doing it on purpose? Yeah. Physical, yeah. Physical errors were, yeah, you don't really talk trash about physical errors because you're going to make them too, and you don't want somebody coming at you with that. Yeah. Mental mistakes, though, fair game. Uh, even there, it's a little bit like. If they're really like bonehead and it's characteristic of the player. Man, I, <laughs> I've, I've seen some bad stuff happen because of that. You one story in particular that you know about. I've seen some bad things happen. Like, them be fighting words sometimes. You know. You gotta understand who you're doing it to as well. Yeah, it's know your audience, right? Like, know your audience when you're when you're dealing with stuff. And it really does depend on the guy more than anything else. Yeah, the whole bat flip thing is out of control. It's so different than when we played. If some of the stuff happened when we played, there would be straight up brawls. Yeah, but I, I don't. That's part of what I don't like. Part of what I don't understand is why. You hear this? This is what happens when he runs around. Um, part of what I don't understand is why it's like so widely accepted to get shown up, right? Why is it so? Why is it? Cover your mouth when you're breathing. Why is it so widely accepted to get shown up nowadays? Like, why is that okay? Why is it so widely accepted to show somebody else up? Because baseball is fun. Getting shown up is fun, I guess. But that's part of what I... Show emotion. 
that's part of what I don't understand. Like, okay, so the, like the generation is telling me, oh, you're supposed to have fun and throw the bat as high as possible. And like, dude, I, I'm, I like bat flips in the right context. But again, I, don't, I, I really don't understand why it's okay to disrespect somebody else. And then for them to get up, like they get upset about it and like, you're, like they're not supposed to react to it. That's what I, I guess that's the part I don't get. Right. Like for a long time, we saw stuff like that happen. And then when the other person got upset, you took one in the back or whatever. Like what, why, why does it like, why, like why the whole premise behind most of what happens, right. Is, is based on like the world saying, Oh, well we need to allow more personality to show up. Okay. Like, cool. Let your personality show up. But then when the other person responds with their personality, which is angry at the fact that you did something to them, then they, we get mad at them for reacting. Right. Yeah. Well it's, yeah, you can, you can show somebody up, but you can't get mad if somebody shows you up. Yeah. It's weird to me. Yeah. Uh, Mike Tyson got a fight. He had a fight. He didn't get I'm in a fight. To, he, was, uh, he, had, he was in an exhibition ma- boxing match. He didn't get in a fight. That's how like, oh, he, he, got, he, he, got, he got in a fight. He, uh, it was a draw. What do you got on 50-year-olds? How much money did they make for doing this? Probably a lot. Depends on the pay-per-view numbers, really. I didn't see like their baseline numbers. I didn't. I yeah, Twitter, Twitter was talking about it. Snoop Dogg was called it. It looked like two uncles fighting at a barbecue or something like that. That's the only part that I saw. I kept trying to find video of it. Uh, I found maybe like three snippets. I also, I got an email on Saturday from uh, Mike, Hitchhack's Mike. Mm-hmm. That, and I, I, I'm still trying to figure out if this was a, a spam email because it was like live stream the fight. And it was sent to like some people at Hitrax. And I was like, uh, is this real? Do you want me to watch this? I was like, are you that interested in this? But I guess, I mean, look, they were two of the, they were two really good fighters in their time. Um, how much money did they make? How much money should they make? How much viewership should there be? The market will tell you, I guess. You know, market will tell you. Like they were two really good boxers. Mike Tyson's a Mike Tyson's a draw, that's for sure. Yeah, anything that guy does is exciting. That's why he should be in more movies and have one line in a lot of movies. Yeah, I, I just know it was a draw. I don't know. I didn't watch it, but I know Twitter was was chatting it up. That was pretty weird. To have two fifty year olds just fighting. Smell you. All right, that's our show. Sixteen pickle out. Late.